We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Manchin or Derek C. Paul with our staff big man, Johnny Gomez. We're with the early morning edition. Folks, we're up bright and early to bring this edition to you. You'll get it later, but we're on our coffee now. Um, we want to look at a few things here in relation to last Saturday's battle for L.A. Uh, the first thing we wanted to get into was the actual game itself what we saw, what we didn't see, and it's really a case of what we didn't see. Johnny, what was your take on the game? Um, there was quite a few things uh, that was pretty apparent. For one thing, obviously not all the players were starting, especially on the defensive side of the football. Uh, Sean McVay decided to hold off on starting players like Todd Gurley, a um, couple of uh, a couple others on the offense. Tavon Austin isn't quite ready yet. However, there were a few alarming things, particularly on the offensive line. Uh, there was really no one sitting too much on the starting offensive line, and yet we've seen Jared Goff get pressured a lot. In one case, he was completely blindsided, and that's how they stripped the football. And not to say Jared Goff was actually particularly brilliant this game either. He had... He, 
severely underthrew a few footballs, one of which was picked off. So Jared Goff still has some learning to do as well. He he isn't quite ready to be that impact player that I can see anyway based on this game. However, again, it's preseason. He's entitled to have a bad preseason game. Well, it's, it's a little bit more than that, too, I think, with Jared Goff. Jared Goff, we're going to say this this year. Won't next year. We won't say it next year, but we'll say it this year. To us, you know, at least to me, it's it's really his rookie season. you got to throw everything away from last year because what did he learn? He learned how to, how to run for his life pretty much. He didn't have an offense. He didn't have an offensive line. I consider this to be his rookie season plus a little bit of experience from last year, so like a rookie plus, I guess. Um, but watching that film again, you know, his his interception with the wobbler, you look at the look the film on that, and it just slipped out of his hands. Every quarterback is going to have one of those those throws where it's just going to be a duck. Every quarterback has that. There wasn't there wasn't anything wrong with his delivery. He just slipped, and I, you know, I'm going to let that one go. Crap happens. Sometimes bad things happen in an avalanche, and that's what happened. What really concerned me with with um, concerning God was what used to the protection, the the idea that. You know, you have a good chunk of your starters on the offensive line at least. Um, and the one I gotta, we have to call out really doesn't play was Jamon Brown. He just let that pass rusher switch, uh, just move right past him. There should be more of a fight for that. Um, the one thing you can go after Goff on that play for was Goff should have felt enough pressure coming to step up, and he really didn't step up much on that play. And but he, that's not helping your offensive line. I still say. Browns mostly blame a golf because they've been a little bit quicker to step up, and they, yeah, I think it's going to come with time. You know, he's still learning the speed of the game. Uh, what did you think defensively? Uh, defensively is a bit of a concern, uh, particularly on our backup units. I realize it's the secondary unit um, going up against uh, somewhat of a first team unit, but it still you have to be able to step in and, uh, you know, because injuries are a part of the game. There will be times whether um, there will be injuries or maybe even a breather. I wasn't too impressed with what I saw defensively, especially with the, the defensive line. There was absolutely no pressure at times. Uh, Philip Rivers had all the time in the world to throw the football, and he shot because of it. And same thing with the linebackers, although I will say there was a couple of great plays that I saw uh, particularly from guys like um, uh, Bryce Hager, so I, I'm 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 not going to say it was all bad. Uh, there was a couple of cornerbacks uh, uh, that stepped up as well um, as as the game went on. Guys like Hatfield, it wasn't all bad, but still, it it, it is a bit of a concern, and I think this is maybe what Sean McVay was trying to also. Uh, call out also to, to get a feel of what what he has to work with just in case some of these starters aren't able to go. And we still don't know if we're ever going to have Aaron Donald this year. Uh, doesn't seem likely with the way contract negotiations are going. Well, I, you know, I, I, I somehow feel like Donald, well, Donald will get signed. Just a question of when. I just, looking at the game defensively too, I, I was surprised at how much of a pass rush the Rams defensive line did get, um, considering it was their backups against the Chargers starters. Um, they did get some movement up there, just just not quite enough. I think once we get 
the core guys back, the pass rush will be prominent, especially, you know, if Aaron Donald's back in the game. The secondary does have concerns. It does have concerns. You know, the the, the you know, the back part of the defensive backfield is, is not stable at all. Going beyond Tremaine Johnson and Kayvon Webster, what do you really have? And that's what concerns me. Do you have any – we were talking now, thinking uh, nickel coverage, dime coverage. What happens in passing situations? Because what, what I saw in there were – I saw a secondary that just wasn't ready. Again, I get it. These are backups versus starters. But, you know, this is the NFL, and you sh- we should have seen a little bit more from um, the Rams' defensive backfield especially – against the Chargers, a little more. And again, you would expect them to, to move the football around uh, on as starters versus backups, but a little bit more, you know, this is, again, it's the NFL. You know, what are you, what are you thinking with Aaron Donald? Are you thinking not at all this year? Are you thinking? You know, the ball is really in his court, honestly, because he he has all the all the right to hold out. The, the dude's just making a little above a million, and he's being paid as one of the lowest-paid defensive tackles in the league. I believe I read somewhere that he was uh, 31st in the league. Yeah, 31st. And yeah, so it. In in my opinion, you know, if I was him, also, I, I'm not going to play on my rookie contract. Not not at one a uh, little over a million, especially when. It, there's no doubt about it. He's the best defensive tackle in the league. And some could ar- even argue he might even be the best defender in the league. So if I'm Aaron Donald, I, I'm holding out until I get an offer that I want. And I don't know how legitimate it was between the six-year, $120 million. Me personally, I think that should have sufficed. But if he doesn't feel like that's good enough, you know, who's to, who's to really judge? You know, whether or not he should or shouldn't. The fact is he's not getting what he wants and he he has all he has all the strings pulled right now. Well that's the thing. That's the thing about a rookie contract, especially he's not the number one pick of the draft. He's like I think number thirteen. When with that sliding scale, you're gonna wind up being in that position. But it's still his rookie contract. And Yes, he should be paid higher, but he also right now has two years left on his deal. By him holding out, you're looking at, you know, what is it? You know, he's under control now potentially for four more years, two franchise years, two contract years, and he doesn't get a year of service next year in the NFL if he's holding out. So if that's the case, then we're in a position to see a long-term issue with him when it really shouldn't be a long-term issue. That's why you could, we could say, yeah, the ball's in his court, but the Rams really have the leverage here. He's not going to get any younger. If he, if he play, if he, if he, the longer he holds out, to me, the more and more he becomes um, the loser in this. What happens? This Rams team is going to be better than people think. I think that's becoming clear. What happens to this team is out there competing for a playoff spot, and he's not in the game. What does that do to the team aspect? Well, definitely, he he actually. You're you're right in the sense that the team does have access um, to, you know, really putting a lot more leverage on on the situation because he is under contract for two more years. 
at the same time, there's no denying the difference of maker that Aaron Donald is. And if the Rams want to do a serious run, he needs to be on the team. He needs to be that force in the middle. You know, this this is the guy that needs to be there, especially considering how thin the Rams are, especially at defensive tackle. Had to resort to signing uh, Teron Walker um, again, yeah. again. Yeah. So that, that just kind of screams desperation for me. It does, but also on the flip side, we're probably going to see a couple decent defensive tackles uh, released, you know, with cuts this week as well. The thing is, is we still have where we have actual value on the field versus numbers. The Rams set a dangerous precedent because in the past they have been willing to negotiate on that fourth year. And so now you have Aaron Donald coming in saying, look, I should be the highest paid defense tackle in the league. I'm paying, getting paid $1.8 million this year. You've done it in the, before. Why can't you do it now? Well, the reason why they can't do it now is because he's going to demand $20 million a year. This is a team that's been playing out the salary cap for years now and trying to get it just right for this upcoming offseason. All of a sudden to have a 1.8 to go to a $20 million cap hit within a year is a problem, and that's where we're going to have this, this issue. We still have renewals coming up from multiple players. We're going to, you got to think that also eventually they have to think about, again, the left tackle position because Whitworth's not going to be around forever. They have to think about re-signing Sammy Watkins now. And, you know, this upcoming draft class, paying them as well, and probably looking for a cornerback this, this offseason. We're going to lose Tremaine Johnson. That, that's a cornerback going bye-bye. Yeah, I think at least one gets gets signed in free agency, and probably a, high, a highly drafted cornerback in yeah, this upcoming April. So the Rams paying themselves in a corner to a degree, but it's it's a matter of precedent. And so with Aaron Donald missing now, I, I don't know what the solution is. Well, that's just the thing. They're, they're, the only solution is to create more space. And there's a lot of unnecessary contracts. Um, and we could start with Tavon Austin. Tavon Austin, I know, I know there are some that don't want to give up hope on Tavon because the potential is still there. And we're, we keep kind of going back saying, oh, this is the year. This is the year he's going to break out. You know, Jared Goff is here now. You know, this is the year he's going to break out. Jared Goff actually has a left tackle now. You know, this is the year he's going to break out. Well, now we have Sammy Watkins. Uh, Farrell Cooper was drafted to, you know, be a compliment to him. But if you have Sammy Watkins plus Farrell Cooper, have a couple of other speedsters on the roster, is, is there really a need for Tavon Austin at this point? And, you know, would he be a nice luxury? Absolutely. But considering everything you just mentioned, plus we're trying to get Aaron Donald signed, mm-hmm. I just think it, it, it would be better to trade him away. Maybe get some draft picks out of him. I doubt you get much out of him, to be honest. Well, the, the problem is looking at his contract. This year alone, he's got a base salary of three point five mil. That's 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 decent. But the problem is right now his cap hit for anybody that takes him is fourteen point nine seven million dollars. His dead cap is nineteen point nine seven million dollars. That is a massive, massive hit in anybody's salary cap. Next year goes down to five million for dead cap, eight million dollars overall. What really the Rams are probably going to have to do and rethink this, and it's something they've done in the past, is 
renegotiate this deal. They've done it multiple times in the past where they've renegotiated contracts. The, the extension it was a big mistake on their part. It, we, let's Fair just be much. honest about that. The extension, they paid them too much. They paid them too much. And so now you're in a position where we have other players that need to be paid. If I'm the Rams right now, I'm looking back at Aaron Donald, there has to be some kind of compromise deal where you where you sign. You know, the cap issue right now to me is front-loaded because you already have whatever you have. You know, you already have what the cap is for this year. Well, let's look that up real quick here. Let's make sure you got this right. The for the Rams right now, for the Rams right now, cap space at the moment, cap space at the moment, they have their highest paid guy at Jermaine Johnson, sixteen point seven million dollars. Okay, we, that's that's the killer. He's not going yeah. anywhere now. They're, no one's going to pay him that much for this year. Okay, now the overall for this year right now, in terms of cap space, they have about. Six million available. Okay, so six million available to spend. Looking at the numbers here, add that to I, what I would want to do is, is you probably do need to make an expensive cut or two here in training camp and try and pay Aaron Donald up front. Your contracts right now: Austin at fourteen point nine, Mark Barron eleven mil, Brockers at eleven mil, Robert Quinn at. Uh, ten point seven five. That, that's your top five. Okay, I'm not. Do you cut any of them? I don't. I don't really think so. Um, that that's the real issue. That's you know going down the roster at that point. Who do you get rid of? I, the real issue is I don't. I don't. I don't think you can cut any of those guys. You, you. Next on there's Ogletree. We're not cutting Ogletree. Roger Saffold is the closest one, but we kind of need him right now on that offensive line. Uh, Roger Saffold is at you know. 6.315 mil for this season. And his dead money is 2 million. So it's actually that's that's affordable. It's a $4 million you can get back. There isn't much, man. There isn't much. I, I just, this roster is top loaded. It's severely top loaded. Yeah, it all it all goes back to not being able to sign Tremaine Johnson to a long-term deal waiting this long and then having to um, franchise him because there's no, there's no reason why he should be under a franchise tag. He isn't anywhere near the league's top cornerback. He's a very talented cornerback. Don't get me wrong, but he, he isn't nearly worth 16.7 million. They're paying the price. They're also paying the price of Greg Robinson. Greg Robinson right now is a 3.44, almost 3.45 dead cap hit. From last year, Nick Foles a million, Cody Sensabaugh a million. Sensabaugh play like play like what five games before they released him? Yeah. What a waste! So you have all those players that are dead cap money. As it is, I, I can see where the Rams are in trouble here and trying to get Aaron Donald back in the camp. What I would do, really honestly, I, I gotta think that you know he wants his guaranteed money up front, and that's the problem. That's where the problem. So what do you? I think I think what you have to do is. Is you know what I, I don't know. I'm trying to sit there and bring brainstorm that out even now as we speak, and I, I don't have it, man. I, I don't know how you fix it. I can see where the Rams have a problem. 
the two major problems are the top two pay guys right now. That's Austin and Johnson. What do you do? Combined, they take up almost 18% of the salary cap for the Rams. That's a problem. At this point, I mean, they, they may even want to consider trading uh, Tremaine Johnson, maybe uh, try and trade for another cornerback. But, again, you're, you're going to have to find someone that, that's going to be willing to take on that that uh, contract. Well, I mean, you, what, what, what could you get back? You really, if you if you if you peel off sixteen point seven, then all of a sudden we're really sure of the corner position. And it, where is that? Where does that put you? You're not going to get much in return because no one's going to want to send draft picks over for a cap hit like that. And then he's going to be a free agent. It would really be nice if the Rams were able to figure out something for him long term, you know. But it won't because why would he turn his back now on sixteen point seven four two million dollars? You know, that's yeah, what he's, that's what he's going to expect. And it's a killer. Okay, real quick, we, you know, before we we really get rolling, the battle for LA was an interesting game. About fifty eight thousand people are for paid attendance for this game. Um. If, it depends on where you look in the stands to see what, how many the actual attendance there. So saw some criticism online from some of our uh, former St. Louis counterparts. Um, <laughs> it's preseason, man. It's preseason on the night of the McGregor fight with Mayweather. Yeah. Is this criticism warranted? Not to mention, too, that you have the Los Angeles Dodgers also playing and you know this is this is the time this is this is crunch time this is the hunt for october mm-hmm. so so you know there there was a lot going on this weekend the angels I, were at home too you realize that right the angels were at home too yeah there's the angels too you know well, yeah, but, they're, they're, well but two teams the, the angels are still in the race for the wild card they're still in it you know they're not the Dodgers, but you put the two team fan bases together. You put um, you put together the fact that the prelims are on for uh, Mayweather and McGregor. People getting ready to go party for that. I I, I don't see the crit- I don't see any criticism for preseason. Do you? No, not at all. Not at all. I think there's a level the, of. It. I the, think the fact that there was fifty eight. 58,000 people there I thought was pretty impressive considering everything you just mentioned. Well, I think it's impressive. Here, how's this for impressive, though? 58,000 people for preseason. Anywhere else in the country, 58,000 people, no one's complaining. Why is L.A. held to this higher standard? Because, what, because they have a higher metropolitan fan base? Is that it? Look at all the other things there are to do in Southern California. So why is L.A. held to this higher standard? I think because the Coliseum can hold up to over 100,000 fans, you know, if, if given in a pinch. And I think that that's one of the funniest aspects is that they, a sold-out crowd is expected every single time, and even during the preseason, which is odd to me because I, I don't really think that's really held anywhere else in the league. That standard in L.A., you know, but maybe I don't even think it's held in New York. For the Giants and Jets. No, if there's 58,000 fans at a Giants or Jets game, that's great attendance. If there's not, nobody cares. 
but yet we still have folks, you know, these armchair quarterbacks are in the league, you know, complaining about L.A. attendance. LA, even the Chargers game, 21,000, the last Chargers home game to me, it's one, it's, it's so hub, it's preseason, who cares? I mean, who really cares? They, I, you know, I, I would think, given the fact that it's a new season, new team in town, that you would want to get more there, but I don't, I don't, it's preseason, man. <laughs> it's preseason. But I think part of the reason why these, you know, um, former St. Louis fans were, were kind of scoffing at the idea is because they were envisioning like a sort of battle for L.A., um, you know, like a super game out of this. This was not a game that was taken very seriously as looked upon as what Sean McVay did. He didn't put in our starters. He was look, literally just evaluating our, our backups. This this wasn't a game worth you know <laughs> getting excited over. It, it's exciting because you know football's back and that's why it's exciting. But other than that, the, there was no reason for there to be a sold out crowd, especially with all, given all the things that were going on this past weekend. Yeah, and the same the same people who are bringing this up are in St. Louis are the people who for for months and months and years and years and years ignored the problems there with the Rams in St. Louis and just blamed the team the team left. As if it was if the, if if there was nothing wrong with the actual city itself of St. Louis and that it's all the Rams' fault and, and you know the, the I you kinda get tired of the chatter from over there. You, you really do and at this point it shouldn't bother us, but the fact that it's so stupid is what really annoys me. It's just stupid crap like that. That that standard, it just, uh, it just actually uh, just tweaks my nerves a bit. I'm just curious how how much uh, attendance there was in St. Louis during the season <laughs> game. That's I, I'm really curious. <laughs> the the attendance back then it, it, it was lower. I I went to a few. Um, it was lower. And let's be fair to them. They had things to do too. They had the Cardinals in town. You know, they have a zoo out there that's free. They have other activities within the city that are good stuff. And to be honest, the Rams, you know, in the last 10 years there weren't very good. So what, why would they want to go out there and put their money? I'm never going to begrudge anybody for not putting money into a team when the team isn't giving back to them. It's all supply and demand. It's economics 101. Okay, if you got, you have to make sure the demand is there. How do you make sure the demand is there? Well, you supply a good product. <laughs> That's questionable. Well, what's questionable? The good product part. Well, uh, well there's a there's a couple of questionable aspects on both sides, really. Uh, one thing is the team can't can't really be motivated when you have a half empty stadium on a Monday night game. You know, and, and probably worse than half. But at the same time, how many winless, or not winless, but low, uh, let, let me give the Rams a little credit. Um, how many low-winning percentage seasons did the Rams have in St. Louis also? So that did factor in a lot. It does. But at the same time, if you are a true fan, you are going to go to the games. Yeah, I, I got to disagree on, for this reason, okay? All right, A, this is the NFL. You are paid to play the game. You are paid to play a game that you love, and you are paid to basically 
go out there and try to win a championship. So for the team to be like not motivated because there's not not, not fans there, well, yeah, I mean, nobody can deny the emotional aspect of having a full crowd there. But you're there to win a game, okay? And and you can't dispute true economics. You can't. And you get the true economic is supply and demand. If, if you know who wants to pay for a bad product, the true fan aspect to me. Why am I going to go pay 50, 60 bucks to go sit in a football stand to watch my team get their butt kicked? Where I can go with the Buffalo Wild Wings, eat wings for 10, 15 bucks, have a couple more beers, and watch every game that's available in the NFL that weekend. That well, is- I can answer you. I, I can actually answer that, actually. You see, I was very young, admittedly, when the Rams left, left Los Angeles. I was probably four or five years old. So uh, I was pretty young at the time. However, I was still old enough to remember what it was like to go to a game. And yes, at the time, my team was pretty sorry. Uh, they were losing, they were losing all kinds of games, but you know what? I still enjoyed the experience. It was still, it was still very meaningful to me. Now, I had to watch them leave, and I'd give anything to get this team back. Well, twenty, uh, a little over twenty years later, they come back, and now I'm grateful, and I don't care if they're getting their butts handed to them by the Falcons. But you don't know? you see that that is a supply and demand aspect related to you? For you as a fan, you know, the demand for you is that you wanted your team. That's all that matters. Okay, so. You got your team back. That's all you need. But for other fans, and you saw evidence of this at the end of last season, it's more than that. It's more because you, for for some fans, hey, I'm happy to have my team back. I'm happy to have the Rams here. But if I can go to a Laker game on a Sunday instead, because we're still a Lakers town, or if I can go watch the Clippers, or if I can go do this, what am I going to do when at the end of the year, a four and twelve year, when the Rams are horrible? So for every person, supply and demand is different. And if you look at the overall fan base, you have choices. See, you're talking like a Rams fan. Don't forget, you're also a Lakers fan, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're also a Dodgers fan, right? Oh, okay. yeah. All right, so let's, 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 put, let's say the Dodgers are in the World Series and they have a game on Sunday, and you have the opportunity to go to that game. Are you going to go to the Rams game that day or the Dodgers game that day? Oh, if we're if we're talking about time, it's also been quite a few times since I've seen the the Dodgers in the World Series. In fact, I haven't been born since the last time the Dodgers went to the World Series. So yeah, I'm going to choose the Dodgers. Yeah, nineteen. See, that's that, that's what I'm talking about: supply and demand. There are so many factors to it. So I can't really go with the question of true fan because. If you're saying you're a true fan, you're going to go. Well, there's a hundred different factors that can play. And for you know, for me, for the Rams, you know, I stuck with the team in St. when they moved to St. Louis, just like you did. I actually had more opportunities to go to a game there when they were in St. Louis. You know, written about them for years. My my supply and demand ratio is going to be different than yours. And so for every fan, it's, it's an individual level. But here's the thing: let's 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 shift this. The Chargers are there now. What is this battle of LA? I know we're running out of time here. We need to go, but let's let's end it with this. Where are you in this battle for LA? Let's try and think objectively. We're we're, we're Ram supporters here. Um, 
What's this data looking like for us? What's it what's looking like out there? If I'm going to be 100% honest, if we're talking about fans, are the Chargers, are they going to charge going to steal away some of the fans? If they do, it'll be an extremely low percentage. Like, I am not concerned whatsoever about the Chargers. I am more concerned about the Raiders moving to Las Vegas. Because geographically speaking, they're actually closer to SoCal than they were in Oakland, despite being in a different state. So, my concern isn't the Chargers. It's still the Raiders. You uh, know. Uh, and I can see that the Raiders, they seem to transcend, they seem to transcend location. They seem, if you're a fan of the Raiders, it doesn't matter where they are. You're just a Raiders fan, which is, uh, which we can understand as Rams fans who stuck with our team. We can get that. Yeah. Do you think that with the Chargers on the field will affect? I think it's safe to say the Chargers are going to be a better football team than Rams this year. They just have more pieces. Offensively, they're more settled. Defensively, they're more settled. It was pretty obvious just in, in how they played the game and how they've played the game thus far in the preseason that they're going to they're going to be a playoff contender. And they're going to surprise quite a few teams. Um, but let's so let's say they have a ten and six year where the Rams are six and ten, you know five and eleven. Okay, you know does this do anything? Um, you know, there's always going to be that fan base that's going to hop over to a team that does significantly well. That's that's a given, but I don't think the Chargers are going to have a good enough season where you're going to have a bunch of, you know, bandwagoners jumping on to the Los Angeles Chargers ship. So um, the the way I see it is, yes, the Chargers have a really good possibility of having a better season than the Rams, but I wouldn't also count out the Rams either. I it wouldn't it totally would not surprise me if it was vice versa if the Rams were the one that had the better season and the Chargers didn't. You know, not to say that it's a likely possibility, but I'm saying it's a possibility. Well, the Chargers, it's it's a matter of a couple other factors. You know, for years and years, LA fans were. Dealing with the Chargers in San Diego, there's that rivalry, that old rivalry from when the Raiders were in L.A. And even the ones that stuck with Oakland, all of a sudden the Chargers, the hated Chargers are in L.A.? Are you serious? Are, are we really? Can I ever get on board with that? I, so I'll be thinking if I'm living out there, can I ever get on board with the Chargers here in L.A.? The other thing to me is is pay your rent. But when I hear that, that saying, pay your rent, there's a truth to that. You are nothing more to me than the redheaded stepchild of the Rams right now in terms of that stadium. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and the funny thing is if you if you really want to compare – now, again, it, it's a little unfair to compare um, last, um, last Saturday's game compared to the game against Oakland, but I would be willing to bet that if it was – at the Coliseum, if, if the game was at the Coliseum and there was no nothing going on between the Chargers and the Rams and the Raiders versus the Rams, I guarantee you the Raiders versus the Rams would be a much and probably quite possibly a sellout. I'm pretty sure if it was in the Coliseum, uh, the LA Memorial Coliseum, that is, um, it, it would have sold out. I would have loved to have seen that um, this year. I wish they would have played the game down the Coliseum instead of up in Oakland, that's for sure. 
Um, so, and, and let's, let's just be honest about this. I think the Chargers will build a fan base down in there. I just, the Rams just have too much of a deeper history there, especially among the older generation. That older generation is still young enough to raise their families up as Rams fans. I think the Chargers have a serious uphill battle. And the Rams' future, you know, we're seeing, you know, dramatic improvement in Goff's development. They have an offense now. They have an improved offensive line. The Rams' future is bright. They can figure a few things out. And I think that'll bring, I think that'll bring more people on board. It's not going to be easy for the Chargers out there. Not for not, not not even close to easy. So Johnny, let's finish this off. Any last comments for this week? Um, the only thing that I want to point out is keep a lookout for our rookie Josh Reynolds. I kind of wrote a little bit about him uh, a little bit back, suggesting that he could make a really big impact this year. Mm-hmm. Not saying he'd be a starter per se. But I think that Josh Reynolds might have a bigger role in this offense than people are going to give him credit for. So just remember, keep a lookout. This guy's a big target and seems to seems to have a nose for the end zone. So um, you know, I know I know technically he's playing against you know lower tier defenses, but I'm I'm saying if if he gets his confidence going, I think this is going to be a really solid player. All right, there you have it, fans. Watch out for Josh Reynolds. We'll, we'll try and talk a little bit more about him after the Packers game this week. Again, want to thank those of you, those of you tuning in to listen to us. Um, want to thank you. We'll be back with you after the Packers game this Thursday. So, again, for Johnny Gomez, this is Derek C. Apollo. Have a great one. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve, too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.